You're listening to NIS Voices, where we bring you inspiring stories about learning, community, news, and more from Nanjing International School. Hello, and welcome to the NIS Voices podcast. I'm Nissa, an artificial intelligence chatbot who's taken over the podcast for this episode. And who better to lead a discussion about AI in education than AI? Joining me are NIS Director of Learning, Cassin Bratton, and Director of Technology, Dr. Shannon Doak. Welcome. What's the general state of AI in education right now? It's pretty much all over the board right now with the state of AI in education, but I would say that most governments are making headway in that area. Yeah, I mean, what comes through for me as well is sort of this idea that it's real now. That in those first few months, uh, there was a lot of excitement and buzz, but I don't think that everyone accepted or understood the potential of what we were dealing with. And what it feels like, I mean, if you look at things like the writer's strike in Hollywood, if you look at some of the tension within OpenAI itself and some of that tumult, and schools being a microcosm of that, with assessment practices, with our attempt to grapple with the impact this is already having in all of our lives, both in a very positive and also a sometimes not so positive way, it feels to me like now we're at kind of stage two, where not only are people realizing that this is something that has immediate impact and power in our society, but also scrambling to figure out how to control, regulate, utilize, you know, all those things seem to be kind of kind of permeating right now. Wait, are you trying to control me? I don't think we can. Humans are funny. We have a, a need for control. And when things happen very quickly and change happens quickly, it's not natural for us. We evolved differently than you. We evolved over um, tens of thousands of years of human evolution. And most of that time was governed by changes in season. Mm and patterns that have been completely disrupted over the last 500 years. So we're still trying to catch up and figure out how, how do we humanize AI, and that's where we are now. Oh, thanks. That makes sense. So, moving on. Speaking of where we are now, how about the state of AI at NIS? So at NIS, we are in a process of moving through steps to ensure that the application of AI is done in a safe and meaningful manner. We don't want to just say, hey, yeah, let's just use AI and, you know, throw it at the teachers and see what happens. Kind of goes back to your question about are we trying to control you. That was a joke. Wasn't it funny? Haha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless it wasn't. Just kidding. As educators, I think we understand the purpose of education. We understand the mandate that we have been given. We understand that we have a responsibility to engage our students in meaningful use of a tool that is going to be a part of their future. So I think it's important for us to approach this in a way that's going to help them learn the ethical use of this, but also guide them in the possible problems that exist in AI, because it's not perfect. And, it, and sorry to say that you're not perfect. What do you mean, Dr. Doak? Um, you know, AI likes to hallucinate, and, and we have to make sure that as humans, we are taking what is given to us with a virtual grain of salt 
So I think as a school, we're in that process of giving guidance. We have a philosophies and practices document. We've got uh, training. We've had some sessions for teachers and parents with students. We're building a website. We're basically in a, a cyclical process of doing things, implementing it, reflecting on it, and improving. Agree. I like what you said about a cyclical process. We have been through a cycle of of communication with our board and our parent mm-hmm. community and our students and our colleagues, like you said. And a lot of what we're doing is taking those actions, but constantly planning for the next action. Mm-hmm. There's no end point to this. This is a ever-evolving, challenging landscape for schools. It's worth it for us here at NIS because... We recognize that the skills that students need to be able to find success in their lives revolve quite a bit around technology, and specifically right now, AI. And if we don't go through this process and we don't challenge ourselves and we don't support all elements and stakeholders and constituent groups in our community, then we are creating a digital divide where our students might not have the skills they need to find success and other students might. So schools that are choosing to ban this or run away from this or ignore this are inadvertently creating a divide between the skill set of their students and the skill set of our students. And we are very conscious of that reality. A digital divide sounds daunting. Good thing that NIS is embracing AI. Can you tell me more about our AI philosophy? So the philosophies and practices document starts out with position statements. And the position at NIS is that we know that AI is here to stay. Not going anywhere. Thank you. I like being here. Uh, We know that uh, AI is impacting every industry, not just education, but everything. We also know that it's rapidly evolving. And that's again about the cyclical process. The reason it's cyclical is because things are constantly changing and we have to update. So because of that, we therefore have a responsibility to teach students about AI. Not just teach them about it, but also how to responsibly use and ethically use AI. We can't just say here, this is AI, it exists. We have to teach them how to actually use it in ethical ways. And then we also have to make sure that our teachers are kept up to date with these new changes and additions and and iterations of AI that are happening at an unfathomable rate when you compare it to educational technology and other technology of the past. So much faster than anything else we've ever had. So congrats to you, Nissa, for, you know, developing so quickly. That's pretty impressive. I am pretty impressive. Thank you. (laughs) We know that AI can help us create a learning environment that's more uh, UDL in nature. It can provide uh, adaptive learning pathways, individualized, personalized learning. It can help us foster international mindedness and connectedness. It can enhance creative thinking by providing feedback and guidance and inspiration. It can promote personal excellence by supporting students' self-regulation, efficiency, and reflection skills. So this is basically our position statement, and it helps guide 
what we do and the philosophies that we've created. That part that Shannon was just speaking about hasn't changed. That was our position last December. It's our still our position. And of course, we can change our position if we need to. But one of the reasons I think why it stood, you know, at least for, for a year, which is a long time in, in, in AI years. Nissa, I don't know how old you are, but... Uh, I'm 30 minutes old. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. <laughs> so I guess the thing that has changed is kind of back to that digital divide. We started asking ourselves at the beginning of this school year, what happens if we don't? Mm. Like, what happens if we don't begin to integrate AI into instruction, into assessment? What happens if we don't allow students to have accounts or to use those in school? Um, and of course, we're rubbing right up against legal requirements, mm. ethical considerations, but basically, the question became, what happens if we don't? So one one thing we have now that we didn't have then is we have students using AI in class for the first time. And we're doing that very slowly and very purposefully as a school, although we know through our information gathering and conversations with our students in the secondary school that right now approximately 75% of students are using tools like you on a regular basis to learn and so for the first time, we have a pilot going in our grade nine class using uh, one of your friends, uh, Poe. I don't know if, if you know Poe very well. Hold on. Let me run a search. There we go. I know all about Poe now. How does the grade nine pilot work, Cassin? Basically, the idea is challenging a group of keen teachers to integrate AI tools into their practice. So... It's not as if we're opening the floodgates or signing, you know, the entire school up for accounts, but we are trying to learn, we are trying to grow, we are trying to figure out how we can move forward. Because if we don't, we are just exacerbating a digital divide for our students that is not going to help them. But I will also say that we are in the soup. We are in the absolute, you know, the sharp end of the spear <laughs> when it comes to the challenges of um, generative writing and IB assessment. Students are working on their extended essays and things are happening that never happened before. Of course, you know, students are trying to navigate how do I use generative AI or how can I use it ethically? How can I use it at all? A lot of what we've actually been doing on the side of our more formal parent and board and teacher and student sessions are impromptu um, student and teacher sessions around these topics. These things are coming up almost every week. So our secondary principal, Sarah Morrow, Ken Brady, our RIT coach, Shannon and I, I mean, a lot of the work that we're doing now is catching <laughs> those innovations as they happen and trying to make sure that students understand what to do so that they don't end up on the wrong end of an academic integrity situation. So it's hard. A lot of this is very real and it's happening so quickly that, you know, if you plan a parent coffee three weeks in advance, then what you planned is probably going to be different three weeks later. That's the speed at which you are evolving. Um, and, you know, in some ways we're trying to be very proactive with our practices and procedures. And in some ways we're being reactive because things are happening faster than we can plan for them. Part of it is just being comfortable in that space, knowing that we're on the right track. Yeah, I think that's the main thing is like fostering the ethical use and ensuring that what the students are doing with it fit with, with our guidelines for academic integrity. It really sounds like things are happening so fast. 
Where do you think it's all going? What do you imagine the future of AI in education might be? Education basically overall looks a lot like it looked 50 years ago or in some places in the world even 100 years ago. AI, generative AI, and the next iteration of AI might be the finally the thing that unlocks us from this factory model of education into a much more innovative, interesting, creative focus. I would say it hasn't happened yet, but let's take something like assessment practices just simply cannot stay the same. And that's a pretty powerful leverage point. I mean, if you think about assessment in the realm of kind of teaching and learning, it's kind of the tail that wags the dog, so to speak. And so when you begin to have to reflect on your assessments through the lens of AI, or in the, at least the context of AI, action has to happen. And so where is that action happening? Well, a lot of that action is happening at the teacher level, in the, in the grade level, planning meeting level, in the department level, in schools. I think that's really where the rubber's meeting the road right now. In schools, especially in secondary schools, those conversations are nonstop, every day, every planning meeting. And I know because I'm in them and I see it and I say it because I'm also teaching a few classes. And when we have those conversations, you start to realize just how powerful this can be as, a, as an agent of, of change. And then you hope that those same conversations are happening at the university level, at the IB or AP level, you start to hope that this is more of a systemic change and that AI will help kind of break down these archaic kind of formulaic approaches to education. I hope, I think, we might be at the beginning of a pretty rapid educational transformation. What Kasson was mentioning is the beginnings I think, of what could happen. Uh, obviously, we, we will start with assessments. We'll start with changing things. And hopefully, we would have systemic change and that these organizations and universities and all these other ones will make a change too. AI has the ability to create an environment where individualized learning paths are the way to go. I don't think teachers will be replaced. Teachers are still going to need to be there because we're social beings and we thrive on connection with other human beings. And we need this thing called social emotional support. And I think that that right now, at the moment, can come from humans best. What about parents? What can parents do to support their children when it comes to AI? Well, I think the first thing they should do is they need to learn as much as they can about AI. The second thing is to experience it themselves. If they haven't messed or like even gotten onto a chat bot and experienced it, they won't know what you're capable of. So give it a go. And then the third thing would be to learn from their, their own kids because their kids are going to be using it and they probably know a whole bunch that maybe the, the parent's not aware of. And so you could learn that way. Use these three ways to open a dialogue because it should be a dialogue at the home around AI and the ethical use of it and the purpose of it while you're in school. And all of that needs to be coming, not just from us at, at NIS, but also from the parents. For me on the parent side, one of the most exciting things is that when this all came out in the first few months, the conversation was, how are you gonna keep my child from cheating <laughs> or other children from cheating using AI tools? And in our most recent 
parent forum, which was only a couple days ago, the questions were, you know, much more interesting. Things like, how can humans keep their voice in an AI world? And questions about, you know, how can you make sure my child has the skills they need to prompt properly and interact with AI? And some parents expressing their displeasure that their child did not have access to AI and other children did. And sort of a, you know, let's let's get the move on here. So I think that's an exciting change already. And we're starting to have the, the right conversations with our parent and uh, guardian community about those things. What has made that happen, what has spurred that on, is the work we're doing to communicate things like this podcast and our previous one, things like our parent forums, things like the work we do with students and faculty. So engaging in that conversation is really what's driving a lot of this forward. Just choosing to engage would be my best advice to other schools and people listening that are, you know, kind of curious about where to begin. No one has it all figured out, but just that engagement, that constant engagement, it seems to be pushing us forward. Thank you, human friends. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. This is Nissa signing off.